1: Welcome to the latest episode of Five on the Floor on the
2: Five Reasons Sports Network. Thanks for joining us on your favorite podcast app. We're on Podbean, Spotify, Google Podcast, Apple Podcasts. We're also on Dash Radio on their Nothing But Net channel. That's every single weeknight at 7 p.m. Also, check out the Five Reasons YouTube channel for all of our latest streams, including Alex Dono's show every day at noon. That's called the Dono Daily. And catch FiveReasonsSports.com. Spell that one out for no paywall content on South Florida sports. Thanks to our great sponsors, including our friends over at Therapist Preferred. If you're looking for CBD, this is where you go. All the products made here in the United States, founded in 2019 by a physical therapist to optimize performance. It helps you with recovery quite a bit. I use it for sleep. I think I've mentioned that many times here. You can get the tincture. You can get the gummies. The strawberry lemonade gummies are my favorite, but they've got a lot there on the site. Use the code 5REASONS. That's the number five and REASONS. At therapistpreferred.com. You get 25% off your order and free shipping. They get it out to you quickly, usually within a few days. So check it out. Therapistpreferred.com. That's therapistpreferred.com. Use the code five reasons. And now tonight's episode.
3: Down to Yay.
2: 5 on the floor, ride for my dogs, here's the thing,
4: you can check the score, hustle hard, couple scars, rain bubble frogs, just like Buckley said, you in trouble, y'all, kept the floor playing, got an all bang, y'all seen the block, stop in one hand, impact we trust, inspire, have the guts, we here to bring the heat, y'all can hang it up,
0: Welcome to 5 on the Floor, a daily insider show on the Miami Heat and the NBA featuring Ethan Skolnick, Greg Sylvander, and Alex Toledo, plus others from the 5 Reasons Sports Network.
4: Greg Sylvander, back on 5 on the Floor. Uh, Today's floor plan. uh, We are throwing the floor plan out the window. This is Michael Beasley taking over the podcast. This is Smush Parker taking over the podcast. This is Antoine Walker taking over the podcast. We are not running sets. We are going up and down the court as fast as possible and chucking up as many three point shots as viable. Uh, I am your host for today Greg Sylvander. you can follow me on Twitter at Greg Sylvander. Uh, no Ethan Skolnick. that's why we're going a little bit off the cuff here uh, but with me is uh, Alex Toledo who can be followed at Tropical Blanket on Twitter and uh, we also have uh, the, the, the young the young prodigy himself Brady Hawk. Um, I think it's Brady Hawk 305. I, I, yeah, so that's where you'll find him on Twitter. And he writes, uh, you know, countless articles for fivereasonsports.com. Um, so, truthfully, though, today's floor plan, we want to touch on these uh, on this battle for this final two way spot. Uh, I, I think that this podcast in particular, we have neglected this uh, fringe activity that's going on at the very end of the roster. So, I want to address some of that and get into who is a two way player and who isn't and who's battling. So, we'll, we'll touch on that. Uh, and then we'll uh, close with, with some, some heartfelt good stuff. But where I want to start is uh, the player that we know is going to be a two-way uh, contract uh, guy for Miami this season. And that's, uh, I think a lot of us predicted this, right. And that's Marcus Garrett. Um, Brady, I'm going to start with you because you've had the, uh, the breakdowns, and I think you've actually written about, about Marcus specifically. Uh, what have you seen from him that should get us excited? I know that he was a guy that we wanted. You know, the fan base was behind getting him as a two-way player. What do you like most about him?
0: Yeah, I just don't think we've seen a player in that realm go undrafted and be that solid defensively this soon. Uh, there wasn't really an area of his game that was neglected on that end of the floor. He was running baseline to baseline, pressing, uh, not letting guys who had the ball breathe. He was running off of screens, not getting it impacted, just out of pick and rolls uh, off the ball. He was really sound. He's quick. He's lengthy. It's just everything you like in a defensive player. And I think people were like, if he's that great defensively, why did he go undrafted? And I think the answer is that it's just the offensive stuff is just in question, Uh, but that's just the Miami heat way. You've seen them do it with guys like Casey O'Callaghan they're going to take a chance on guys and they don't really need a lot from them offensively. You just need a, an efficient three-point shot, just be a three and D guy and so his jumper, you know, maybe not, it doesn't fall frequently. It didn't look too bad in summer. league. Like it looks, there's some guys on this team and the summer league team that their jumpers look a little different that his was actually pretty smooth that I think they could do something with it. Just so if he can be an efficient shooter, work on his offensive game a little bit and just continue to be a guy they can plug and play, throw in there and try to make a, headache of a matchup and throw him on some guys, I think it makes sense. So I think from the first game, we kind of predicted he was going to be a two-way guy just because of what we've seen immediately.
4: Yeah. And you talk about plug and play, like uh, the cool thing about these two-way players in Miami will utilize this probably as much as any team Uh, they did last year. And they'll do it again this year is this, uh, I don't know, on a two-way deal you're eligible to play 50 of the 82 games. Alex um, should, should heat fans be gearing up, for early Marcus Garrett minutes in the season as we get closer. I mean, I know it's a long time away. There's training camp. There's preseason. There's so much basketball to be played. But a guy that's being put in this position now, you know he's going to be available for 50 of the 82. You think that we'll see him 50 of those 82?
3: Yeah, I think that's a good question. I think I wouldn't be surprised if they do use him and just kind of you know, use him as somebody, as an innings eater, like we talked about before, especially if he stands out now during training camp, preseason specifically. If they really love him over some of these other guys that we're going to talk about, then, yeah, I think, like, there, it, it's if somebody's going to play from one of these guys, I, it's probably going to be him, especially because they have the guard def in question. Like, let's say they start off playing a lot of Struess and Vincent relative to maybe what we thought, and one or two of those guys are just not playing great. Maybe that's the type of scenario where they can throw in Marcus Garrett. He would be my one guy who I would pick to play. Like, And I know the summer league is not a big sample. There were guys playing in some games, some guys not playing in others. So it's not exact exactly a consistent sample either. But And the offensive stuff is definitely, I think, uh, the concern that kept them out of being drafted, like Brady said. But he's kind of got a game that's tailor-made for a guy to just kind of have a low yeah you know a, a smaller role on offense just kind of take maybe take a couple threes a game score off a cut or two you know but he's mostly just there to be a great defender and nothing else because that's his one elite skill for sure.
4: I mean Mar- Mar- Marcus Garrett is definitely um I would say the guy who's most ready to uh to play for sure. I think that you're right he's an innings eater. That can at least they know that they can't that he can stay in front of somebody, right? And like, so if there's anything that they're going to allow a guy to work through and take his lumps early in a season, it's either going to be if he's a knockout shooter that provides that skill set, they'll live with some of the defensive deficiencies that sometimes come with those guys, or if you're a solid defender, the way Garrett is, I think that he can get minutes early. Um, but pivoting to the next guy, and I'm only going to go here because he is, um, the player that got the exhibit 10 contract, the soonest of the, of the newest players. And that's DJ Stewart, um, Mississippi state guard. Uh, and I, and I think that this is another one where I, I would be, uh, Remiss if I didn't just pass the ball to Brady here because I haven't seen a ton of DJ Stewart the signing came out of nowhere for me um, In terms of what he can bring. I haven't got the chance to watch him very much So it was a little bit of a surprise. What have you seen from him?
0: Yeah, actually on the night when they were actually signing these undrafted guys That was kind of the guy that stood out to me I kind of felt like he would be the one that would end up getting a two-way, Just because of they were going after a bunch of point guards. We're gonna go across this list There's a couple that we're gonna talk about next they kind of had a specific skill where DJ Stewart was the one guy that didn't have that. He's more of a 2-3 than a 1, and he's not a facilitating defender that doesn't that lacks scoring. He's just the scorer. Um, as we continue to talk about this second 2-8, the wing scorer, I think we can all agree, is probably the, the position that they should get. Uh, this team, that's probably the one area that you're kind of looking at. If they want to plug somebody in, you kind of want somebody that can score at all three levels, give you some buckets, hopefully, and try to move on. DJ Stewart can probably be that guy. One of the major areas of his game in college was he was basically playing from the elbow, just very good in the mid-range. He was like inserting at the elbow and playing from there, able to attack from there. He's a different type of player. He's not one of those guys that comes out and just shooting, catch and shoot threes, pull up threes. Uh, I think that three can develop. We didn't see it a lot even in summer league, um, but I think it can come. And just having that mid-range and driving game, I think is good enough. So if you're looking for a scorer, and I think they are, I think it's kind of a tell how soon they grabbed him because that's just kind of a tell for what they needed. It was a position they needed. It's a guy that he didn't get a ton of playing time. Like he had some spot starts. I felt like you'd see more of him, but I feel like that may be a kind of a plan. I don't know if that would be it, but I think it might've been planned that they want to try to get a longer look at him in training camp. They locked him up early and then we'll see what he can do. But obviously, if the three ball can come along consistently with the other two things then I think he's, he's pretty close to a lock for that second two way.
4: Yeah. That's interesting. You say that in terms of him being a lock, uh, considering just some of the other guys that we'll get to here in a second, but, but I do agree that from a physical profile and a positional profile, he's the guy that probably makes the most sense. Alex, how do you like, how do you balance that when you know, you need this type of player in the pipeline but maybe he may, you know, and I don't know that this is the case with DJ Stewart, so I could be talking a little bit out of turn. But like when you have a guy that maybe is a little bit more raw and will take a little bit longer, but he really fits the, the, the mold. How do you balance that versus getting a guy that's going to be able to help you when they actually can play 50 games? You know what I mean? Like from your perspective, how do they balance that?
3: Yeah. So Brady's take right there that he's going to be, you know, he's not far from being a lock for that second spot actually kind of surprised me because I haven't really heard that much. And I know Brady's done extensive writing on all of these guys here, but it makes sense. Like just listening to you guys talk about it, it's the scoring wing is another guy that they would want to develop. And they do have another roster spot there. If you're already kind of going to be relying on Vincent Struess, if you think Marcus Garrett is a little bit more ready to uh, play some spot minutes. Now you've got Omer there, like maybe that is a good idea, right? You got another project wing to add to Casey Max Struess who who's going to be playing some, I don't think it's a bad idea. Like I, I'm a little bit more reserved on how I feel about him because of the lack of playing time or, you know, the lack of consistent playing time. He has the physical capabilities of somebody who who looks like an NBA player. And uh, like Brady said, he's more, you know, he plays more inside the arc. So it's a little bit weird how, how to project for him. He was definitely pretty good in college from what I've seen. I saw some highlights, some stats, you know, very basic stuff. Nothing like what Brady has done, of course. But I think he's somebody that if the he did pick him up that early, like that's something, like Brady said, they've been wanting to do. You know, if they pick somebody up that early, it's because it's they like him. So I'm definitely willing to see how he plays in preseason and just yeah. go from there.
4: I think you guys are onto something like they're probably caught wind that another team was about to scoop him up, and there were certain guys they were okay letting get scooped up. Like I know Indy grabbed a guy, and there's a few other players that ended up elsewhere. Um, that Heat fans had their eyes on, but this was a guy that they locked into that Exhibit Ten contract. And just to to let the listeners know, when when a player is signed to that contract, that means that they get an invitation to training camp. But also, what comes with that is an extension to the G League team in Sioux Falls. So it, it essentially keeps the team in, it keeps the player in the team's pipeline and in their system and around their coaches and around their culture. Keyword. Um, so so that yeah, you know came with DJ Stewart right off the top. Uh, The the next guy is the guy who I said was uh, probably the dark horse candidate for the second two-way contract. I think I tweeted that, and people have taken that as some sort of uh, intel-based thing, and that's not really it. It's that I think that the Heat are ultimately going to try to um, maybe go for a need here in a way that I don't love, and that's looking at uh, Mr. Micah Potter, a 6'10 center out of Wisconsin. Uh, He played for uh, the summer league team. I think he was in both. Um, Sacramento and Vegas, if I remember correctly. Um, but he, he was a player that had his moments, but overall, I think a lot of people want more upside from a player. Uh, but I have a feeling that maybe Miami sees him as somebody who could take some spot front court minutes early in the season, just to like bridge the gap, uh, for some stretch of time, uh, Alex, I'm pivoting back to you quickly. Um, what, what is your thoughts on Micah Potter? Is this a guy that you like for the second two-way spot? Are you feeling it at all? Or, or is this a hard pass from you?
3: Yeah, I'm not a big fan of his game, uh, you know, willing to give it a, a shot. I, from what I did see, and, you know, I'm definitely not a scout, you know, I haven't watched a whole lot of Michael Potter, but that's also for a reason. I'm just – I wasn't that impressed from, from him from what I saw. I'm not trying to hate on him or anything like that. I just think he's kind of like this shooting big who – I don't know. Like, I don't think he has much of anything in the way of rebounding defense – what I did see, I just wasn't that big of a fan. So look, if he does make the team, that's, that says something that says something. Cause that means he beat out other guys. So I would definitely be impressed. Then uh, I just haven't seen much of him yet to really say much of anything positive, to be honest.
4: Yeah, no, I mean like, this is where I'm he at. a shooting it. big
3: mold. That's what I will say.
4: This is where I'm at with this guy. Like if he makes the team, it's because he he has uh, six um, hard fouls, and he also will have the ability to have the perfect face to be elbowed c- consistently on a on a West Coast trip to, or something like that. I read, uh, I think it was uh, in the in the Herald. So it was it was Barry Jackson or uh, our friend Anthony Chang that said. Uh, so I'm, I'm pulling this from them. He shot 47 percent from threes in Big Ten games last season. Brady, is there any upside to this guy as, like, a stretch big? Like, uh, I feel like we're both down on him as a player overall, and maybe that's unnecessarily. But uh, can you talk us into Micah Potter, or is this not happening?
0: I do want to say when you bring up upside, all three of these guys we're going to discuss next, I feel like the heat went high floor, more than high ceiling, and I think that's what they always do. Most teams go high ceiling. as a developmental project. They want to see where they can go with it. I feel like this team, when they're in win-now mode, they're going to utilize them, as we said before. So they're going to find guys that can at least play right now. And I think these guys kind of fit that. Uh, but Micah Potter, I think talking about him in need, I want to say first that this Heat team basically did a whole flip in roster construction that they were very heavy in the backcourt before. And now they're very heavy in the frontcourt. You know, they got P.J. Tucker and Bam. You have Morris and, and Deadman off the bench. You have Yurt seven that's going to be plugged in. They're hopeful that Casey Opala can be up next that I feel like They are so heavy there that it would be, I feel like he'd have to wow them in training camp to get that spot. Uh, But I think there is upside there in terms of his scoring. I think, I think most people kind of immediately look to the Myers Leonard type of play where he's a drop big, that is not the quickest defender. He can pop out for three. I think he has more gadgets in his game where he's a post player that was a bit surprising. He has a good mid range game. That was also surprising. It's just, being a center that you're going to plug next to to Bam, Omer Yurtseven had flashes where you can totally see it. Yeah. I just can't really see it enough that he's not enough of a rim protector and enough of just an overall quick defender <laughs> that and also rebounding. I feel like just to make sure the, the rebounding thing he's not a great rebounder, that it's going to be a bit tough. But obviously the offensive stuff could come along. He could become, you know, a very good weapon offensively as a popper and just as a, a post threat, and I've been saying before with Omer, that's the two parts of Bam's game that he doesn't really have right now as a post game and a three-point shot. So if they're going to look for a big, it's going to be one that has those two, two attributes. So he falls under that category. Um, so I do think this is just one of those guys that comes down to training camp. Maybe they can develop him, as you said, down the line in G League. They can see what kind of happens. Um, but other than that, I just feel like it's not as much team need as some of these other guys are.
4: Yeah, man. If you're talking about Myers Leonard with gadgets, it's time for us to go to break.
2: We'll get back to our episode in a second. Before we do, let's we'll talk about another great sponsor of the Five Reasons Sports Network. This is our daily fantasy partner, and they're at prizepicks.com. You can download the app, you can go to prizepicks.com, enter the code five when you sign up. You will get your initial deposit match. They've got great promotions all the time. This is an easy, easy game to play, and they've made it easier. You can actually Finally, I've been waiting for this. You can play players from the same team. So say you like Tua and Waddle, you can pair them together. You can go over, you can go under, Uh, you can pair two, three, four, five players together. You can pair them together from different sports. You want to pair a golfer with a baseball player. You could do that. So go to prizepicks.com, use the code five. That's F-I-V-E. It is legal to play this in Florida. A lot of people have asked us. Yes, it is. You can play prize picks in Florida. So go to prizepicks.com, use the code five. And now back to the episode.
4: All right, welcome back to Five on the Floor. Uh, We are exploring. Greg Sylvander here, by the way. I'm never as clean at this as Ethan is, but we are exploring all of these candidates. Without the ones like you,
5: who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. On real time product availability and fast delivery, call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the
4: ones who get it done. It's for the last two way contract on the Miami Heat, so we are really digging deep. This is a culture filled episode because we are getting to the very end of the roster. Uh, we, we talked about three guys at the open here that are a little bit maybe we feel are more secure in their standing on the roster or maybe not uh but we're going to focus on these last two guys um that are on uh deals to come to training camp and the first guy i want to get into bear with me here as i get to his numbers is javante smart is that how is how he's how his name is pronounced okay six four guard um they got a lot of guys out of the sec. I mean, I know that this was a guy that uh, he led the sec in three point shooting Um, didn't really show that in, in summer league. Like when I was thinking of him as a shooter and when I watched him, I I don't know that that's how I came away from it. Brady, is this a guy that you think um, has a chance to actually get a two-way spot or is he maybe the um, the furthest candidate in terms of like being ready to contribute?
0: I think he's the one guy that can surprise them in training camp out of anybody just because if that shooting comes along, then they have something. He was just pretty inefficient um, in the summer league. And obviously they were giving him the green light to take that many shots. I think he was like something close to three for 13 in the first game where they trusted him. He's got most starts across summer league. Um, I think the biggest surprise to his game is just how calm he was as a passer. And he was basically running the offense most of the time. uh, Very good in the pick and roll, just making reads. Um, and defensively obviously he's been very good from college to now and even in summer league he was making plays where it makes a lot of sense but then we get to this point where you're making the case next to Marcus Garrett you're finding a two-way guy and it feels like there's a lot of similarities there where you're you're wondering about the jumper there's defensive capabilities there Uh, obviously he can play make a lot better than than Marcus Garrett but it just feels like there's too many similarities and I I think back to I think we would have been all been confident that Dejon Jarreau that went to Indiana would have probably got this second two way, just because he was probably the most talented of the bunch, but I don't know if it made the most sense just because they were so alike with the offensive questions and the defensive capabilities. So we'll kind of see what they do with that. I think he, like I said, I think he can be the one big surprise. Um, if smart can just show a consistent jumper show an ability to just score off the dribble, get to the basket, what he did in college. Um, and I feel like there's just, it's just—it's just a lot. Once again, like Micah Potter, he has a high floor. So I feel like if they want to go with him and just see what happens, they can plug him in there and feel confident that he can. If like I think it's more of like a Gabe Vincent goes out, you can throw him in there next to Tyler Hero, calm down the offense, just see what he does, um, and just feed others the ball. So we'll see what happens, but I think it, it's possible that they can—they can go that route if they choose to.
4: You buying Javante Smart, Alex? I don't think I'm there with him. I'm going to be honest with you guys, just from what I've seen. I mean, I think that there is some upside there, but are you feeling it?
3: Yeah, I might be. So, Javante Smart was somebody who I had higher expectations for coming into Summer League just because of how productive he was in his three seasons at LSU. Uh, You know, just from what I looked up, you know, going into Summer League, and he was was a lot more productive as a scorer, right? And that's something that you see a lot, like guys who are – High volume scorers, high volume playmakers, high high usage players in college uh, maybe struggle a little bit in summer league when they have to adapt to teams looking for certain systems and they're just not getting the ball as much to playmake. He seems like that type of scorer, playmaker, even though he's, he's 6'4", 205, at least what it what, what was listed here. And maybe that doesn't fit what people would want. Like we talked about with DJ Stewart, kind of having the size to be the wing score uh, mold. I think... I would look, I would rather go with Javante Smart if I had to pick right now, but that's obviously with not not much time seeing him. I just think he has, he's somebody who has more of those scoring capabilities, I think, than Michael Potter or DJ Stewart. Just from what I've seen, I think he has a little bit more potential there to kind of figure that out sooner than later. Like Brady said, because of that shot, you know, he shot 46% from the field in his last season at college and 40 from three, and those percentages, you know, were way, way, way lower in the heat summer league, right? That yeah,
4: that's why I'm like stuttering about the whole thing. I I I don't know. I, I like his upside. I, I will I will say that. Um but as I look at these guys, the player that I think actually so there's a couple of things here before we before we end on this last um player that that's viable for one of these spots is that the Heat can continue to shuffle in guys uh, in and out of training camp. So don't be surprised if a guy gets cut and a new guy gets added and you never know who they stumble on before a season. There's been players that have been added in that way before. So some of these names could be gone tomorrow and there'll be new ones for us to podcast about. But that's the nature of these Exhibit 10 deals and the way that they can funnel guys into the system, uh, get some get get some guaranteed money in their pockets. Who knows who else we will see. But the player that I think of any of these guys, if they have the chance to stick, if it isn't DJ Stewart, cause like Brady said, they got to him early for a reason. I'm thinking, uh, the guy that is in the the leader in the clubhouse from my perspective is the next guy we're going to talk about. And that's drew Smith, um, six, guard out of Missouri. Um, another sec player, as I said earlier, uh, th- this is a guy that I just think defensively brings some things, um, and played, um, kind of a, a, as a lead player. Um, I, I, I don't know. I, I liked the little bit of highlights I watched on YouTube because I'm not going to act like I watched any Missouri basketball last season. Brady, tell me about Drew Smith because he's the guy I'm hearing that they like internally. Um, but that doesn't always equate to a two-way spot because these things move quickly. But what's your take on Drew Smith?
0: Yeah. To that point, they that was pretty much the last guy that they ended up scooping up among the undrafted guys. And, When that's the case, it's not usual that he's the starter basically through all of the summer league games. So obviously there was an immediate reaction to him and obvious liking. Uh, I think it's pretty similar to smart in some ways that he was also another guy calmed down the offense, like a good passer. They trusted him with the ball in his hands and to kind of revert back a little bit. DJ Stewart was one of those guys that he was placed off the ball a lot where that's not really his role. And I think that just shows how much they trust a point guard like Drew Smith's and you kind of touched on it before defensively. He made plays. He could play on the break. He was good on the fast break. Um, And he has a good mid range game as, as we saw in summer league. And I was a little bit surprised by that because he's one of the guys out of all the point guards that had a pretty smooth jumper compared to everybody else we're talking about. And I think that's going to be important. So if he could just shoot the ball well, which he did in summer league continually, just I think he has the highest floor. I will say I've said that a couple of times, but I think, this guy particularly has the highest floor out of anybody we're talking about just because he doesn't have a true weakness among his game, and he just does a lot of things just good. And I think that's what you need at a two-way. So it just comes down to, once again, the similarities. Do they want to get another type of guard like that next to, to Marcus Garrett? And I think if there was a year to do it, like I said before, it would be this year just because there's so much front court depth. Uh, so it's going to probably – I would probably agree. It's going to come down to probably – One of these guys, but I would say Drew Smith or DJ Stewart would would be my guess, just down to the two, but obviously I would lean DJ Stewart.
4: Which way you lean in, Alex? You buying my Drew Smith hype right here? I mean, I'm not hope trafficking. Let's not say that much about my Drew Smith love here, but he is the leader in the clubhouse for me. What about you?
3: Look, I would not be mad at that. I really wouldn't. Like, again, just like you, I didn't watch a whole lot of Missouri, just like I didn't watch LSU, just like I didn't watch any of these guys' teams from last year because I'm not a college basketball watcher. I, you know, I I catch up just like a lot of other people on NBA Twitter, catch up to college players before the draft, watch Summer League, you know, consume as much of that as I can. But we can't all be Brady Hawk, you know. But uh, (laughs) seriously, Drew Smith was the one guy who kind of fits into the quote-unquote true point guard mold and I'm not one who really ever uses that but that's just kind of the game that he played out there Uh, Brady went into a little bit there it's just like he was doing a little bit of of everything he was setting up the offense I think he was looking less for his shot and more for others than Javante Smart like Javante clearly was I think is built more into that natural scorer mold even though he can't play make Drew Smith is more you know more Lowry than 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 uh Javante Smart is right when it comes to just play style and and setting up teams and into the offense. You know, his, he shot a little bit, a little bit better and more from three in his last season at college. And that part didn't stick out uh, during the heat summer league. It was on a much smaller sample, but that's the one thing that I didn't really see much from him that I think could actually easily go back up just from looking at his stats uh, in that last college year. So maybe he's a little bit better of a shooter than he showed. I like what he did as a playmaker, like what he did as a defender. He just seems like a smart player. And you saying that he might be the second spot uh, I really don't hate that, man. Like I think, like I said before, they could use the guard def, and if they feel that he really is that type of guard that you could just kind of plug and play a few minutes, it's, it's, I don't think it's a bad idea. Like a lot of these guys, and I think that's kind of what we've come to find out here, they're all appealing for different reasons, and he could kind of use def at different positions and different molds of players. So most of these guys I wouldn't be mad at. Maybe Michael Potter. But <laughs>
4: right, I know. It feels like a lot of people say that. You know it's funny as you were talking about well, better you know about summer league and um and watching these guys like it 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 occurred to me like isn't it a little ridiculous like just a little ridiculous to uh form an opinion and make a judgment on what a player can be or do for a team after watching like 6 to 8 kind of absolutely haphazardly officiated and coached depending on what team is you're playing against you know like I I just feel like there's so much more that goes into this behind the scenes that we can never see that there's almost probably elements of this that this is just uh we're we're being gas bags to a degree uh and and they're watching them at at in a way that I don't know how much summer league unless you really blow up how much that necessarily changes. I'm interested in either of you guys can jump in here. Do you think that what actually happens in summer league and like your stat line in summer league is something that carries as much weight um, as maybe fans place the emphasis on? I'll go to either of you, whoever dives into it.
3: I think it's probably a percentage, right? Like, I think they probably, obviously, of course they look at what they did in college, but uh, summer league is like their introduction to these guys, but then you really see them, in training camp and preseason. And I would I would bet that that stuff matters to them more than Summer League. I mean, I, I obviously don't know. But to me, that's where they really get a good look at guys and what they do competitively because that's when they get into that training camp mode and everybody's going hard. And, you know, you just got an extended look at them throughout that time there. And even though preseason, you know, there's guys shuffling in and out, I think that's just kind of when they're going to be, by that point, they're going to know who they like better, right? And I think... Summer League is just kind of going to be in a distant past at that point.
4: Do you think it's going to be all the way to the preseason, Brady, before we know who the last two-way spot is? Is it going to take preseason action for them to make this decision?
0: I had to just predict it right now. I would probably say it would come right before preseason. I think that they're going to get a good idea after training camp. To add on to what Alex was saying, I think Summer League in a lot of ways is just like a meet and greet. Like they have They have Malik Allen out there just yeah. kind of getting an idea of how these players are. Uh, he was talking good a lot about a couple of them, you know, and with with media after these games. And it just seems like it's more about understanding how they are as players. And as you're saying, I think it's more about the practices probably during summer league than the actual games, just kind of see their games, how they, how they go about things because obviously the Heat look at things a little bit differently. Uh, but if I had to guess, I would probably say right before preseason, they kind of see what happens in training camp. Uh, obviously, players always come out of training camp after with Miami and say it's always different. So it's always coming down to, how these type of players react to it, uh, and I think these these guys that they've got up that we talked about in this in this podcast are guys that fit that type of mold because they're tough, they're they're gritty defensively. That's just that's why they got these type of guys. And you know, obviously they'll they'll make they'll make their judgment from there.
4: Yeah, I'm I'm expecting a heated battle uh, into preseason, and only the 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 biggest. Uh of heat fans in terms of watching every bounce and every basket. We'll be watching this uh final match, uh, you know, like between these guys for the two-way spot, but we'll definitely have our eyes glued. And and Drew Smith is my pick. Um, there. Thank you guys for going through all that stuff. We're gonna end on a good note though, because this is something that came off of the weekend. There was a lot of football going on, um, particularly Miami Hurricanes, bad football. And right around that same time, Chris Bosch, um, Uh, gave one of the best Hall of Fame speeches I had ever heard. And, um, you know, I don't necessarily uh, go out of my way to find those. But when it's guys like CB, I'm definitely listening. And there was a particular story that plucked the heartstrings of Heat fans like myself. So I I wanted to uh, to play that here on the show and just we'll get a reaction before we
1: cut out. You know, with Ray, he's um, been a great teammate and a great friend. And best of all, he made the game six shots. So You know, that's great. Um, And man, you know, Pat Riley, when I first met Pat, I was 19 years old interviewing for the draft. And I remember being so nervous. Um, Even my family members were always starstruck every time they see him. And um, we've had tremendous experiences together. And in honor of everything, I I actually have a gift for you. Um, For some context, when I met Pat during free agency uh, in 2010, He pulled out every trick, you know, and it was quite the performance. And as I was starting to stand up to leave from the meeting, he pulled out one last trick. Um, He took out this velvet bag full of championship rings and dumped them all across the table. And he picked one up, you know, and he looked me dead in my eye and he said, you give it back to me when we win one together. Now, when I think about it, it was crazy because I hadn't even agreed to sign with my hand. But that's Pat, you know? And we did win a ring together, two of them. Uh, but I never gave back the one he loaned me because, you know, for whatever reason, I wanted to wait to the right moment. And, you know, I figured this would be a good moment.
4: Yeah, so, yo, as a lifelong Heat fan, I got to tell you guys, like, that's one of the... Best moments Uh, and you know I've been cataloging this stuff for a long time guys like that particular story and the way it was delivered to close out the Hall of Fame speech to give back the championship ring that was such an epic story when it happened to me. Uh, It was the dopest thing that happened all weekend, inclusive of the Miami Dolphins victory on the road in New England. Uh, I love that story. Uh, If any of you guys have a reaction to it, feel free to dive in. But that's okay if you don't, because I knew that it was worth closing out at least here. Any of you guys have anything on this? It was just for CB to close it out by giving the ring back to Pat, Alex, Brady. Like, is it could it have gone any better?
0: Yeah. I think we, we always talk about him off the floor before anything. And I think that was the definition of Chris Bosch off the floor, just giving a speech like that great speaker knows how to deliver and just relates everything back to the guy standing next to him on stage, Pat Riley. It just everything that everybody always talks about with, with Chris Bosch, the the funny things uh, jumping up on, on post-game interviews, uh, obviously staying locked in on the floor, but obviously, pass obviously ended a little bit early but moving past it and being able to just develop so many things off the floor and be able to deliver that thing in the end it just felt like such a lead up and, and it was kind of the definition of everything we always talk
3: about Chris Bosch is awesome that was a great like way to sum up just a cool charismatic guy he's been ever since he got to Miami specifically the type of guy he was while he was here I mean, seeing it all come full circle with that story, with that moment of him giving back the ring. Because that was always kind of a question going through my head. Like, every time you hear that story, it's like, wait, so – did he ever give back – like, they won two titles. Did he ever give it back?
4: Which and, one do you think he gave him? Like, one of, like, the old <laughs> Lakers rings that he, like, kind of doesn't even remember which which championship gonna it was?
3: Oh I'm <laughs> going to say oh 06. Oh, but, you, yo, you're thinking it was, like, one of the original ones, one of the ones that he's like, yeah. I,
4: I think he wears oh 06 on a regular basis. Like, that's the that's the godfather ring right there, um, <laughs> truthfully. But I, I I could be wrong about that. But I think oh 06 stays on the finger on a regular basis. Uh, But, yeah, anyway – uh, thank you for tuning into this episode as we went through the two-way guys and ended on some Chris Bosch Pat Riley stories. Uh, Ethan will be back the rest of the week. Have a good one. Thank
0: you for listening to The Five on the Floor on the Five Regional Sports Network.
5: Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you.